So when something happens and you're hurt or sad, you know, just just dig into that. Dig right in. Enjoy feeling sad. I mean, it sounds odd, but, you know, really turn on the worst, saddest music you can find. Sit on the sofa, cry your eyes out, dig right into it and let it move through you Mm -hmm. and out. Because what we often do when we're telling these stories, we, you know, oh, I shouldn't be angry or I shouldn't be sad or I shouldn't be this. And then we don't allow for the emotions. Mm-hmm. The very first thing is we get the story out and we allow for the emotions. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Curiously Wise. I am Lauren Wittig, your host. And today I have Melody Owen here with me. And she's a book person and I'm a, I'm a book person, writer person, and she's a writer person. So it's just, I think this is going to be great fun. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit about Melody. Melody helps memoir writers finish writing their books and decide whether to publish it or keep it for their own healing and records. She is passionate about supporting authors as they write their stories to change their internal story, empower themselves, and reconnect with their truth. Melody is the founder of Author Nation and is here today to give us the steps to empower ourselves and others through story. And that is right in my wheelhouse. So welcome, Melody. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you, Lauren. I'm thrilled to be here. We're going to have a good conversation. So let's just start. You had, you had a number of topics that, that just are, are great places to go. So we're going to start right off with that. And let's just talk about why it's important that we understand the stories that we tell ourselves. Yeah. And that's, that's just such, such a foundational piece to our lives. Because no matter what, you are telling yourself stories. If you are in traffic and somebody cuts you off, you tell your story, a story about that person. He's a bad guy and he's this and he's that or or the person's arrogant or, you know, oh, he must be in a rush or but you whatever it is, you tell yourself a story around that. And when you start understanding that you are telling yourself stories, these aren't facts. You don't know that guy. You've never met him. Maybe he needs to go buy concert tickets for his grandma because she really likes Rihanna. I mean, how do you know what it is, right? (laughs) Or maybe his wife is in the backseat giving birth and he's in a panic. You know, so once we understand, it's like, yeah, I'm telling stories about the world. And we often, you know, sometimes we get into this negative story, right? Anytime anything happens, that person didn't hold the door open for me. There, blah, blah, blah. We get into this negative story bias that can be really harmful, not to the people we're telling stories about. They don't even know we're doing it. Mm-hmm. It's harming us. Yeah. And so we need to understand that we are telling ourselves stories. These are not facts that are flying through our minds. These are stories that are flying through our minds. And when we understand that, we can start changing them. Just the simple, you know, why did he cut me off? Oh, I don't know. Because there's a bird flying around the inside of his car and he's, he's trying to catch it while he's driving. <laughs> and we can start having fun with it and, yeah. and move away from that, that, you know, the negative stories that we often hold on to. Yeah, they're very judgmental, you know, and then it's like we're holding everybody up to this bar and nobody is meeting it, you know? <laughs> exactly. And we can't, we can't meet your bar. I'm sorry. We're yeah. human. Right? You know? First of all, you don't know what it is. And second of all, your bar may be different. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the lessons that I've been really learning in the last couple of years, probably longer than that now. I kind of lost two years there in my memory of, you know, yeah. shut down is that perspective is something that comes from inside us. You know, it's like how we are looking at the situation 
and you just presented several other perspectives about what could be going on in that car and the ability to play that game. I mean, it's, it's a writer's game, right? It's what if, well, what if, you know, this is going on? What if that's going on? What if he's just having a bad day and he didn't notice that I was there? You know, those kinds of perspective changes are incredibly life changing for the person who's trying to figure out, you know, why that guy's acting that way or, yes. or, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have to be a guy driving. Just no. Like, yes. No. And that's one of the beauties that I learned in writing is that you do, I mean, I wrote fiction, so I had to get in multiple people's and multiple genders heads and look at whatever the same plot point was from their point of view, you know, and, and that was a fascinating way to, to look at the world too. So yeah, it's really, really important. And stories are how we learn. I mean, there, there's actually a book, I don't think I have it anymore, but it's called Wired for Story. And it's our brain is wired to learn from stories. And that's why they got passed down and all that stuff. So the stories we tell ourselves really can be uplifting or damaging. Story is embedded in us. We need story. I mean, we talk about, you know, you need food and you need air and you need water and you need, you know, but we actually need stories to move through our world. Without stories, we'd have no way of understanding where we are and what's going on. Yeah. How we yeah. interpret everything. Yeah. yeah. And they're very, they're very connecting. I, I mean, I, I came from a family and then married into a family that loved to tell family stories. Yeah. And you'd hear the same stories over and over again, you know, and they were still funny, the, you know, every time. But our children later on would say to us, you know, when we're up at Grammy and Grampy's house, y'all are always telling stories. Tell us some stories because it wasn't something that for some reason we just naturally did with them. But so we started telling family stories and we started telling stories about them as babies. And, and it, it somehow it created an even stronger bond as a family that we yes. shared the story, you know. Yes. And, and families can do this, you know, you can have a birth story, right? Each of your children can have a birth story and you can tell them the birth story. And it shows them that they came into the world to be loved. Mm -hmm. And that's a really strong story you can embed in them if you tell them that over and over as they're growing up or yeah. even as they're adults, right? And the other thing I, I did with my kids was when something happened in the outside world, we would tell stories about it. And that's where we got that goofy, you know, that guy cut me off and, you know, that's yeah. where we got these silly, we got these silly stories from when someone comes home stomping, you know, my friend did this, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. well, let's figure out, let's dream up five different stories of why. And yeah. then, they, you know, they can't take it themselves quite so seriously anymore, right? The situation dissipates. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So how do we learn to view the stories we're telling without judging ourselves for that too, without judging the story or ourselves. Yeah. I think there are a couple of key pieces here. One of them is that when you tell yourself a story and you're, it's, it's an angry story, it's a judgment story, or whether it's a joy story or any story for that matter, can you tell yourself three other stories about the same situation? Because if you can tell yourself two or three or five stories about the same situation, it gets harder to judge that it's one thing and one thing only. It opens up possibilities. And when you open up possibilities, it's harder to judge. And so that's one thing you can do is just play the game, as you say, right? What else could be happening here? I think that's mm -hmm. really important. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're telling stories about yourself and you're judging those stories very harshly, sometimes what helps is you put somebody 
in the place of the story, not you, but somebody you love deeply. So if I'm telling a really hard story to myself about me, and I realize I'm doing that, I might take one of my children who can do no wrong in my world and put them in the place and say, no, if it was my child's story. And I had to look at that and give them advice and respond to that. Would I be responding with this level of judgment? Oh, no, I would not. Mm -hmm. I would be I would be counseling. I would be showing kindness. I would validate their feelings and help them move into a place of, you know, of of non-judgment. And mm -hmm. so can we do that for ourselves? And it's about the reason I say put someone you, you know, you love so much they can do no wrong in 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 the place of the story, because it helps you step back and take yourself out of the story. And when we can take ourselves out of the story and look at the story without saying it's about me or it's about that person. It's just a story. And I could, you know, put Winnie the Pooh in. It doesn't matter to me. Make it about Winnie the Pooh. You know, if you make this story about Winnie the Pooh, what advice would you give Winnie the Pooh? You know, and then and then you can start removing judgment, right? I know it sounds, everything I say sounds really silly, but I mean, that's kind of the point, right? That we are, we are removing that seriousness. We're removing that judgment, right? And we are we are looking at it from our wise mind place, mm -hmm. right? We, this, this isn't my story. I am, I am the wise mind on the outside looking in, trying to understand without judgment and, and help someone move through it. And that can really help us take judgment away. Yeah. Yeah. It's because we're in general, we're bad about judging ourselves harshly. Yes. And then we also kind of reflect that out on strangers, you know, yeah. Yeah. And that putting somebody you love and you would never say those things that you're saying to yourself to. I love that. That's, that's beautiful. Another example, if you know, you're at work and you've got this one colleague you love, they're great. They're always doing the right thing. You've got this other colleague. Ah, oh, so can't stand that colleague. Terrible. Well, what if you started switching? What if something happens with the colleague you don't like so much and you say, well, what if this colleague that I really liked did that? Would I be so harsh on this person? Mm -hmm. And vice versa. Mm -hmm. So you can also do switching in that way. Nice. And that can be helpful. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I have to do that with the news. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> it wasn't that person, but this other person who I have a lot of respect for. How would I be reacting to this situation? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I love this. I, and story is so powerful and being able to not just be in it without conscious thought, conscious, uh, I don't know. I don't even know what the right word is, but we're often in the story. Don't realize we're in the story, reacting yeah. through the story, judging everybody else and ourselves through the story. And if you if you can step back, I love the either swapping people or stepping back, putting somebody else in that that place that you're being so harsh with. I call it the hawk's eye view. If I can pull myself, I, I literally kind of feel like I pull myself up and out and sort of look from that wise perspective and yeah. get a little get a little distance from it. It it can change, it can change your health. Yes, it can change your emotional health, your physical health. It can change your your if. If you're depressed and you can find a way to, to switching the perspective to get this different attitude into the story, it's transformative. 
It is. It really is. It's it's a lot of what I do. I said this to you before we started recording with my clients is that I find stories or beliefs, which are just stories you keep telling yourself in their body where there's pain, that sort of thing. And then, you know, we, we have to get the story out, redefine the story in some way. Yeah. And then let, let that go. (laughs) And it's remarkable what kinds of changes can happen even at a physical level. Absolutely. I I call that reframing because the facts don't change, Mm -mm. right? You still got cut off in traffic. Your colleague Mm -hmm. still took their sandwich out of the fridge or whatever they did. Mm -hmm. The facts don't change, but your interpretation, the story around it can change. And that is, I find that freeing actually. Yeah, it really is. If yeah, I have to I still have to consciously stop and go, wait, why am I reacting like this? Yeah. Let me think about it. Let me put it in a different, yeah, reframe it in a different way. Yeah. And my mother, well, both my parents were the eldest of five children. Wow. And so I have lots of aunts and uncles. And over the years, and both families were dysfunctional to different degrees. But over the years, I have heard the gripes, particularly from my mom's sisters, about their parents. And each one of them had a different experience. And they sometimes they were sitting at the same dinner table. Yes. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. And it's something that I've seen. There, there are studies that everybody's experience in a family is, is personal. Yes. You know, you're always the star of your own story. And, and so it's, that's, that's perspective in, in, you know, in action, really, when you look at yes. a family group or friend group or whatever, and there's something happens and everybody has their own interpretation of it. I used to get told I was telling stories the wrong way. And I finally realized it's because like, no, that was the way I experienced it. Yes. <laughs> you experienced it differently. You remember it a little differently, but this was my experience. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So. And you, you bring up a really good point there because sometimes growing up, people tell stories about us. Mm-hmm. So people tell us who we are. They tell us who we should be. They tell us what we did. They tell us how we feel. Growing up, we're often, and, and I'm not saying because of bad parenting, it could be, could be good parenting, but we're often as children growing up, we're just told. And so when you're all sitting at the same table and you're all interpreting it differently, sometimes you aren't even putting yourself as the star, as the main character. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in your family, you've been kind of set up to be a certain person or to be a certain way or to be, you know, you're shy. You were shy. You were such Mm -hmm. a shy child, but what if that wasn't true? What if you weren't shy? You were just introverted and you wanted to observe, but you weren't shy at all. Mm-hmm. And yet you've grown up with this shy story. Right. And then you're later on, you're like, wait, wait a minute, am I really shy? And mm-hmm. so when you reframe your story, you get to put yourself back in as the main character and decide. It's like, no, all those times I wasn't shy. Yeah. I'm an introvert. And that's different. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Very different. The story is so powerful. It's obviously I love stories. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. The next step is, okay, so how do we create a path to more empowering stories for ourselves? We talked a little bit about perspective, but put that into perspective for us. <laughs> yeah. Let's give you some, let's give some steps. Mm-hmm. I think the very first thing is to get the story out. And I think, you know, if we're talking about past hurts, past harms, you know, past toxic relationships or whatever it is, mm-hmm. what we need to do is get the story out and allow for emotions. So this is something my my mother gave me this best advice. If I were sad or if I were this or however I felt, she said, all emotions, happy, sad, angry, all emotions are fleeting. You know, we're, you know you're not going to feel happy forever. You're not going to feel sad forever. So when something happens and you're hurt or sad, you know, just, just dig into that. Dig right in. 
Mm-hmm. Enjoy feeling sad. I mean, it sounds odd, but you know, really to turn on the worst, saddest music you can find, sit on the sofa, cry your eyes out, dig right into it and let it move through you mm-hmm. and out. Because what we often do when we're telling these stories, we, you know, oh, I shouldn't be angry or I shouldn't be sad or I shouldn't be this. And then we don't allow for the emotions. Mm-hmm. So the very first thing is we get the story out and we allow for the emotions. They don't have to be the right emotions. They don't have to be, if, if something made you sad and everyone's saying, why are you sad? Forget them for a moment. Feel sad. Yeah. Allow that to move through your body. This is really important. Mm-hmm. And then the remove judgment piece, right? Remove judgment. And what I like to say is have mercy, right? Mm. Or get curious, right? Move from that righteous, this is the only way to, you know, if I had mercy for this person, whether it's me or someone else in the story, and I got curious about it, right? But, you know, why did, why did that? I wonder why that person did that. Here's a few reasons. So we move from, we allow for the emotions, we remove the judgment, we get curious, we go from punishment to mercy, Mm. right instead of being angry this person deserves that we we allow for mercy and then once we get there we can start looking for understanding and lessons Mm. wisdom ways to move forward now i I said that like really really quickly (laughs) and then once we're we find ways to you know we're looking at the lessons and the wisdom now we can create a new story and we can not only reframe the story we can choose new language yes we can choose new vocabulary to express what's going on as well. So that, that was really fast. I'm happy to dig into those points if you yeah, want. No, no, I, I, <laughs> I love, I love that process because it, it does that, that whole, especially the, the mercy part. I haven't heard that word used before, but it's, it's the, I guess what I've used in the, in the past when, when talking about something like this is forgiveness, which mm. is, is similar. I mean, it's a, it's a sort of a sister of mercy. And it's a lesson I learned. I God, I had so many stories I told myself about my family and my parents and my relationship with my parents. And it wasn't until very near the end of my mother's life that I finally gave up being a victim of my own story. Yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and changed the perspective that she did the best she could. She wasn't the mom I wanted or needed, but she did the best she could. Yes. And... And what I can gift her with is a, a, is a, you know, a graceful exit from this life. Yes. And, and it really, it was just a couple of months before she died that I got to that point. It, this was in my late fifties, yes. <laughs> but changing that story, just changing my perspective that I'm not a victim. Yeah. Look at who I am. I would not be the strong person I am without that mother, you know, that kind of stuff. And yeah. started looking for the gifts or the lessons. Yeah. And I was able to forgive her for not being who I wanted her to be. And I was able to forgive myself for holding on to it for so long. Yes. You know? yeah. So mercy for both of us. <laughs> yeah. I think that's where the allow for the emotions come in. Because we, you know, you, you're feeling victim and you might be playing victim. And yet the world is telling you victim is wrong. But what if, what if you got to, you know, find somewhere safe and lick your wounds and actually like live that victimhood? Mm-hmm. What if you got to like really dig into that and let it move through you and out? Mm-hmm. That's when we get to move on a little faster. Yes. And I think we, I think that what happens in our society is we have these things we shouldn't be doing. Like we shouldn't be angry. We shouldn't be sad. We shouldn't be playing victim. We shouldn't be, 
You know, it's like, but what if we gave ourselves space to dig into that and really and really dig into it and allow it to be in us yeah. so that so that we can move through it, right? So that it right. can pass 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 by. Right. right. And I think a lot of it, I don't think what you're saying is, is very common. Yeah. We hold on to this. And then it's not until we have like three months left and we're like, right. oh, I better sort out my relationship. Exactly. <laughs> because you've not, because we don't have permission to to feel all these things. And I think that's yes. something we need to change in our society. It's like, you know, somebody says, oh, my mom, this, this. It's like, wow. You know, I can see how you really feel like a victim of your mother. Why don't we explore that? Mm-hmm. Instead of, don't you know, you know, yeah. just allowing for that makes a huge difference, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean, we, we are here to have experiences. We, I believe that we choose people to come in with to help us have those experiences. Sometimes we forget how hard that might be, but you know, there's so much to learn when you can step back, when you can get that perspective and you can look and change from the, you know, the guy in, in the car who cut you off to the guy in the car is saving the baby chicken that's walking across the road in front of him. You know? Exactly. <laughs> and if you can do that with your own selves, and then also do it with, for me, it was primarily my mother. Yeah. What a gift and how healing. Oh my God. Yes. For both of us, we we ended up having a really beautiful, I mean, she had dementia, so she didn't really know consciously what was going on, but she softened, I softened. We were able to really, you know, have a, have a period of time that was very peaceful between. Yeah. And that was, you know, yeah, that was wonderful and, for both of us. And I think we can look, and I know that I've done this. We can look back on our life and say, okay. I get why I did that at that point in my mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it was a good idea. <laughs> you know? Didn't serve me, right? But I get why. So I had I I come I come from a very challenging family. Mm-hmm. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> I did a lot of acting out as a teenager. I did a lot of acting out as a teenager, and of course, teachers and everyone were really they couldn't understand like why you know you rotten kid why are you you know and so I, I was labeled as this like bad kid mm-hmm. and now I look back and I'm like yeah okay Melody that didn't serve you but here's the thing you were protecting yourself mm-hmm. because you came from an unsafe house yep. where you had to protect yourself everywhere you went and although other people didn't understand the background to know that that's what you were doing and you came across as a child who was unruly and talk back and all of those things. And, it, and you know, it probably didn't serve you at the time. It's what you needed to do to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Lauren, can you imagine that story? If I was still carrying that story? Yeah. That story, it, it served me at that moment. Right or wrong, it served me at the moment. But if I'd carried that story forward and I was still that person today, I'd be doing myself a great deal of harm. Yes, yes. That's why we get to grow and change and learn and <laughs> and reframe stories. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I want to accept who I was without yeah. judgment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's I, I had I did things in my, you know, teens and twenties that I look back and go, that was really pretty stupid. <laughs> what was I thinking? Oh, I wasn't thinking. I was totally hormone driven at that point. Or free of parents or, you know, whatever it was. You know, you look back and you go, okay, I survived that. I, you know, I wouldn't do it again, but I learned something from it. I learned that I don't want to drink that much in one night. (laughs) I know better now. (laughs) There's those, those kinds of things, but yeah, it's story, the stories we tell ourselves and the 
power we have to change them yeah is really the important part of of your message i think is yes. that that and yeah and what i do with the healing work you can change it you can choose not to live that story anymore you're not stuck in it you're not a victim of it you can choose to say thank you very much yeah serve me in the t- in that moment but i'm going to choose something different this time <laughs> <You know? laughs> I think we really don't get that permission to change our story from other people. Yeah. I was the quiet good girl. I was the anxious pleaser. You know, it's yeah. like, well, sometimes I like to be the pain in the ass. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's going to bring us to, to the next thing that, that we were going to talk about. And that is how writing your story empowers yourself and others. Because I think we both agree that getting words on paper or on screens is transformational. It is. Absolutely. And I think that if you are writing your story, you want to first do it for the healing, right? So a lot of people say, come to me, it's like, Melody, I want to write my memoir. And and they're already thinking about the reader and publishing it. Mm-hmm. And what, what I say is the first time you write it, you write it for yourself. Be sad, be angry, play victim, do all that stuff in that first writing. Go ahead, do it all, get it out, Allow it and then explore it. Allow it go through that healing place. Because what we're not publishing are our victim stories, right? Mm -hmm. It's actually not what we're publishing. What we want, what readers want, they want you, they want the reflection on the story. They Mm -hmm. want the wisdom learned from the story. Right. They want, they want to see your path and for you to show them the path you took to come away from the world's against me stories. They uh-huh. want to know how you moved away from that. So the first time you write anything, I always tell people, write it for yourself. Just write it completely for yourself. Don't even think about anyone but yourself. Don't show it to your parents or your brother. Yeah. Or your brother. <laughs> no, for yourself only. Uh-huh. And then when that's done and you've gone through that process and you're feeling, you know, I'm not going to say healed because I, I'm not sure any of us are ever fully healed. No, it's an ongoing thing. <laughs> but yes. But you're feeling that you're coming from a stronger place, a place where there's more wisdom. Then you can say, if you want to publish, then you can say, all right, is there a story in here where I can bring that wisdom to readers, show them a path that they could take so they could get there faster. Mm -hmm. So they feel connected. They don't feel alone. They see a path forward and they can use that to, to, to move forward. As an example, and this might sound crazy, but when I was a teenager, I started reading memoirs of Holocaust victims. And I was, I, I thought, okay, if you can survive the Holocaust, I can survive what I've survived. Mm-hmm. And that was incredibly empowering for me because my life was not as bad as a concentration camp. Yeah. <laughs> as bad as it was in moments, it was never as bad as a concentration camp. And and so I, I looked at those stories and I said, wow, these people are amazing. And where do they get the resilience? Where do they get the the mercy? Like many of the people weren't even angry. It's mm-hmm. like, where do you where do you find? And I don't I I don't think they all forgave. Mm-hmm. So forgiving and having mercy and trying to understand a person's behavior are different things. Okay. And so yeah. some of them forgave, some of them didn't forgive, but they but they moved past it and they had some form of, I'm going to call mercy for mm-hmm. people. Uh, and those books changed my life. Mm. 
because if they could move forward, so could I. And I read those books looking for lessons. And and so that's what, if you're going to write it for readers, that's what your memoir has to do for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It has to be, it has to be that, that powerful path forward for people who can't see it, who are lost. I was lost. I was in rough shape at one point and those really helped me. Yeah. And, and so that's what, that's, that's the difference between writing for yourself to heal Writing for your family is family member memories and writing for publishing for readers mm-hmm. and helping the world move forward through your story. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I come from the fiction angle on that. And yes. one of the things I loved about fiction is I got to be in, I got to be somebody else when I was reading. As a kid, I was voracious. For a long time, it was Nancy Drew. I was solving the mysteries, <laughs> you know, I had the cute boyfriend and the cousins, you know? <laughs> but it was, it was for me, it was what similar to what you're talking about with the memoirs. It was a, a way for me to see a different kind of life or a different form of problem solving, a different kind of family, see possibilities. And so I think the written word in many forms in story form is, is it gives, you know, different people like different parts of it, but it gives you that view of another way. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you've said, Lauren, because it isn't just nonfiction memoirs. Mm-hmm. Fiction plays an incredibly important role in building our empathy muscle, our compassion yes. muscle, our our problem solving, right? So you're you're absolutely right. Fiction yeah. plays a huge role in that. It's not just nonfiction. Yeah. Yeah. And and I was not much of a nonfiction reader. I am I'm a, much more now, but I'm because I'm learning so much stuff right now. So. <laughs> but I still, I still love, I read, I read every night before I go to bed and, and I love fiction at that point. I want, I want to be somebody else's story at that point, but yes, but yeah. So, and, and the, the writing the story down to heal yourself, that just to get it down. That's what I used journals for in my teens and twenties. I journaled like crazy in those years. And I've gone back to journaling when things got tough you know, but I tend to drop it when everything's going pretty well. So that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's getting it out of yourself. You know, you talked about getting the story out of you. That's literally getting it out and onto paper. And for me, that creates a distance from the story, a physical distance. And it also allows me to do things like print it out and burn it if I want to. Yes. So, it's very cathartic. I don't do that very often, but there have been a few a few pages from those journals that were like, you're going up in the smoke. Yeah. So it's it's just the act of getting it out of your body is a huge step towards healing that story. Yeah, exactly. And you don't have to journal every day. You're, you're, st- you're yeah. still a journaler if you only journal when you're in times of strife or trouble or frustration or anger or sadness or you know, some people journal every day and they love that. Other people use journals to, they come to their journal when they need their journal and you're yeah. still a journaler and that's still yeah. a yeah. completely valid thing to be doing. Yeah. One of, one of the places where I can see growth in my own journey to, to healing is that I used to have to journal because I didn't know what I thought or what I felt until I saw it on the paper. Yeah. I just, I hadn't, I did, I don't know why, but I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. I was awash in it, but getting it on paper, I could see it. And I don't have to use it that way anymore. You know, I yeah. have other tools now, but it's such a powerful thing. I feel that's a bit of a coming of, coming of age experience. Mm-hmm. 
right? To, right. to need to write things down in order to understand them, in order to understand your values and, and your perspective in the world. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very common coming of age skill and or, yeah. or need. And I think it's a skill as well, but yeah, coming of age need. And I don't mean, you know, when you're 12, I just mean if at any point when you're transitioning to the next stage of life, right. it could be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's always when I was using it is when I was going through those, those periods of time where you're in, trying to re- figure yourself out. Who am I now? <laughs> so, exactly. well, this has been a fabulous conversation. <laughs> yes. I always love talking writing and I don't need to do that very much anymore. Tell us where you can be found. Absolutely. And tell us a little bit about what you do, because we really haven't talked about what you do. Sure, sure. So I'm the founder of Author Nation. Author Nation is a community-based publishing solution for nonfiction authors. So we we help people develop a roadmap to go from idea to publish. And then because it's community-based, come into the community. We have writing sessions and lots of events and you know places to write. So you get the accountability, you get the structure, you get the knowledge, you get everything you need to execute the plan in the community. If you'd like to know more about it, the community is at authornation.community. And if you'd like the Author Nation planning checklist that really tells you like all of the pieces you're going to need to publish a book, you can get that at authornation.online. All right. Good. Good. All right. I have one last question for you. Sure. <laughs> what book... Fiction, nonfiction, essay, poetry, whatever, made a big impact on you. Okay. You know, because we've been talking about mercy, mm-hmm. I'm going to suggest the book Just Mercy. Good. And it's by Brian Stevenson. So he was a law student and he he was doing a, an internship or articling somewhere and he was sent to a prison to tell this man who was, you know, never going to get out that his lawyer couldn't come see him that day. And he felt so awful because he thought, uh, you know, they're sending a student, right, to tell this man. And he sat down with this man and this man said, I'm so glad you're here. And they just talked and talked and it was the most beautiful visit. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he, and then the man, leaving the man was incredibly grateful for the visit. And he thought that he was like, going to be the, man, you know, the worst thing to send to him. Mm-hmm. And the man was incredibly grateful. And he thought, well, wait a minute. So he became, so he, he's an American lawyer. He works in, in like an innocence, he does innocent projects. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a book called Just Mercy, a story of justice and redemption. And what he says is the people who deserve mercy are the people who you think deserve it the least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mercy is for those who you think least deserve it. And if we are a good society, that we extend mercy to the people who have done us, who have done us wrong because they're in a really dark place. Mm-hmm. And it, he's, he, he has an incredible story. He is a wise man. Yeah. And I would read that book. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. Right. And thank you for being here with us today. I want to thank the listeners for being here with us. And I hope that you'll return for another episode of Curiously Wise. We drop a new episode every Tuesday. And in the meantime, stay curious. Thank you so much for joining us today on Curiously Wise. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss future fabulous conversations. And if you had any ahas, please share them in a review on Apple Podcasts 
so we can continue to pay forward the unique wisdom we all have. If you want to know more about me or my intuitive energy healing practice, Heartlight Wellness, please head over to my website, www.heartlightjoy.com. Curiously Wise is a team effort. I am grateful for the skill and enthusiasm Arlene Membrot, our producer, and Sam Wittig, our audio engineer, bring to this collaboration. Our music is Where the Light Is by Lemon Music Studio. I'm Lauren Wittig. Please join me again next week for another episode of Curiously Wise. From my heart to yours, may your life be filled with love, light, joy, and of course, curiosity. Curiosity.